Let's pray. We're going to dive into the Word. We're starting a new series called Deep Waters. Will you say that with me? Deep Waters. Uh, this sermon and this series has been inspired by Frank Damasio out of the contents of two of his sermons, so I want to give honor where honors due. I'm sharing some of his material and uh, just asking the Holy Spirit to breathe upon it in this area of worship in the area of worship. So Holy Spirit, we say lead us today. We ask that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak through me. Father, you would change our hearts. You would help us, help us to become more like you. Father, I just lift up this time to, I pray for an anointing. I pray for the quickening of the Holy Spirit. I pray that every individual here, no matter their background or where they're from or personality or their age, that you would touch them today in a beautiful way in Jesus' name. And everyone said, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Romans 12, 2. It says, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed. Don't be like this world, but be transformed transformed by the what renewing of your mind and it goes on to say that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God uh, God wants us not to be like the world but he wants to transform us well if you're transforming us Shanene hi in the back <laughs> Chanel's here Radine <laughs> good to see you she's like a excuse me she was like in our house all the time with Jamie. He's like a daughter to us, so God bless you. Let me get back to preaching. <laughs> this is family, amen? So if we're to be transformed, what are we being transformed into? Transform means metaphor or metamorphosis. So be not like the world, but be transformed. Transformed into what? what you need to know what you're to be like, right? What does the world or what should the world call me and you? Can you shout that out? Who said Christians? Well, you said that with me, Christians. That's who we're to be. What is Christians? It's little Christ, little Jesus. God wants us to be little Jesuses, Jesuses, right? Walking around. We're not to be like this world, but we're to be like Jesus. If you didn't know your goal for the rest of your life, I just shared it with you right there, seriously, that God wants us every day to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind into the image of Jesus Christ. Why well, I say that today, because we're approaching this subject of worship, deep waters, and I think God wants to transform us in this area of worship. Some of us, some of us maybe more than others, some of us that are new to the faith or, or new to belief, or, or maybe you came out of a, a church that didn't really talk about worship, or, or I don't know. I don't know what your background is, but I think God wants to renew our minds in, in the area of worship so that we can be Christ-like in the area of worship, of who do we worship, and why do we worship, and what do we worship, and not really a what, but a who do we worship, and how do we worship, and I want to talk to you about that today. I want to kind of reflect on it with water, and drinking, and thirst, and how many of you know it's one thing to be hungry, 
But it's a whole other thing to be thirsty. How many of you uh, have been hungry before? Stupid question. I'm really hungry at the end of services. Hunger is one thing. Uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days. I had a friend, if I'm not mistaken, he fasted for about 90 days. And a prophetic lady, a woman, had a word for him in a service. She walks up to him and says, thus says the Lord, eat. And that's a true story. 90, day, 90 days. I think he may have taken a little break in there. 90. You can go a long time without food, 30 days, 40 days. I don't do very well with that. I get real irritable. Um, I have fasted before, and I do fast, and I'm not a good faster. I remember fasting one time, and um, in the midst of the fast, I stopped by the grocery store. And that's not a good thing to do in the midst of a fast. I just was practicing something that I had practiced as a bodybuilder. I used to, as a bodybuilder, in, a, in strict diets, I'd go around the grocery store and look at things and smell things and just go, oh, that looks so cool. And... Um, but it didn't work out that well this time with fasting. I was walking down the cookie aisle, and I saw double-stuffed Oreo cookies. And I, in the flesh, grabbed them, in the flesh ran, and got a quart of milk, and <laughs> paid for it like something was wrong with me. The woman was probably like, what is wrong with this dude, right? And I go out to my car, and I start slamming double-stuffed Oreo cookies and drinking milk, and I supernaturally broke a fast early. <laughs> I ate so many so quickly the next day, it felt like a tractor had walked and been kind of plowed through my mouth. Trash my gums. Don't eat Oreos fast. They will trash your gums. But my whole point with that, there's one thing to be hungry. You can go many days without food, but there's a whole other thing to be thirsty. Anybody ever been thirsty before? Another stupid question. You can go many days without food, but how many know you can't go that many days without water? You can maybe go maybe eight, maybe 12 days without water and your history. There's something about thirst pains. Being thirsty can drive you to do some wrong things at times or can drive a desperation in you, maybe to do the right thing. Today I'm going to talk a lot about the natural and the spiritual, so I'm going to be talking about the natural, but I hope that you can reflect on it in the spiritual in your life. Moses took the people out of Israel, and now they're wandering around the desert, and they're very, very, very thirsty, and there is no water. And they're complaining, oh, why did you bring some paraphrase? Why did you bring us out of here? We're going to die like a lot of animals. Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? And I'm thinking, man, how stupid can you be and still be breathing? to want to still be in Egypt as slaves, right? And so they're wandering around, and God begins to speak to Moses. I want you to go to the rock. I want you to take your rod and go to the rock, and I want you to speak to the rock. And Moses is irritated also by everyone complaining, and he probably is thirsty too, and he doesn't speak to the rock. What does he do? He strikes the rock, and God is still faithful and rock, water comes out of the rock, and everyone drinks, and so forth, and so on. But nevertheless, out of that wrong decision, guess what? Moses never entered into the promised land. And it was all related to thirst. How many know that it's very, very, very important that when you're thirsty that you go to the right source? 
and your attitude is right. I have went to wrong sources before. Let me tell you a very bad source that I went to one time. I was deer hunting in Northern California right before Radine and I got married or somewhere during that time. And I walked down the mountain and I was down in the bottom of this mountain with me and my brother Daniel and, and uh, I, I hadn't taken any water. So I'm down at the bottom of this mountain by the creek and I dig a little hole and I begin to drink water out of that hole. The, the, the water was muddy, but it was fine. And it, some, to some degree, quenched my thirst. And on that, that was a Saturday. On that Saturday, everything was peachy. But Wednesday is coming. <laughs> Wednesday night in our city groups were called Church in the Home. Wednesday night in Church in the Home... Something happened to me. I remember getting like chills and feverish and a lot of probably other manifestations that we won't discuss in church. And I was sick as a dog and I got sicker. I know why they say sick as a dog because dogs get sick. And I was sick. I went to the doctor and he thought I had flu and kind of treated me, therefore, as flu. And it's going to work two weeks. I'm sick as a dog. I'm not getting any better. I go back to the doctor and I go, listen, man, this is kind of different. And uh, I said, sir, would drinking water out of a mud hole uh, it's kind of a deal? <laughs> kind of. I mean, it was muddy. Would it... Would that make a difference? He says, you never told me you drank water out of the creek. And so they checked me. And uh, see, there's nothing wrong with drinking water or even drinking muddy water. But here's the problem. Right up the creek was a bunch of cows. So you just figured it out. So I had gotten an amoeba. And... Um, I was sick. Uh, I was on disability for about 90 days and, and uh, lost lots of weight. That's not how I suggest you lose weight. But I had went to the wrong source when I was thirsty. When a person is thirsty, remember the natural then the spiritual, when a person is thirsty, it's important, it's vital in your desperation that you go to the right source. That was one wrong source that I went to, but there's been many sources in my life that out of desperation and out of thirst that I went to the wrong source and it absolutely impacted my life and my future. I believe the Spirit is calling you and I, heart of the city church, to step out of the boat, to come away from the shores, off the beach, past ankle, past knee, past waist, into deep waters when it comes to worship. Worship. Some of you may have been raised in some traditional church that they didn't practice worship, or you just thought, you know, singing verse one, verse three, and that's what worship was. 
I got news for you. God wants to take us, I believe, into deep waters in the area of worship. Ezekiel 47, 3 through 5 says, And when the man went out of the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankle. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. I love that he brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my knees. He measured 1,000, brought me through. The water came up to my waist. And again, he measured 1,000. It was a river. Look at this. It was a river I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim a river that could not be crossed. Amen. Read, Seth was telling me a story about a guy named Simon Pons Sonby. And uh, I don't know where the story took place, but he was either maybe on a mission trip or vacation with his family or what have you. And uh, he had saw a big carp come up on the bank, and it was a big, fat carp, but it was suffocating, and it was going to die. He threw some water on the carp, and it didn't seem to help. He even tried to push it off into the, the bank, off the bank a little bit, didn't help. Finally, he put a, a garbage can top underneath it, and he went and threw it out in the depths of the water, and it looked like it was dead for a moment, but then all of a sudden it regained its life and began to swim and dive into the deep and so forth and so on. And Simon writes this, the church is like the carp, mature, distinguished, and impressive. She has lived long, fought hard, eaten well, but she has left or been lured out of the deep waters and here she is stuck in the mud, suffocating. Occasion, momentary relief from the odd spiritual watering cannot save her. Her only hope, listen to this, her only hope is to get back to the deep water. God, I believe, is calling you and I through the ankle, through the knee, through the waist, back into deep waters of this thing called deep waters of worship. We sing a, a song here that I absolutely love. I've, I think I've loved it since almost the first time I heard it. It's called Oceans. Seth, help me out. You call me out upon the waters. You can sing with me. The great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery and oceans deep my faith will stand and I will call upon your name you keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace I am yours, and you are mine. How many like that song? Let me give you some natural facts. Once again, I'm referring to a lot of things natural to the supernatural. Let me tell you some natural facts about water today, and maybe you can relate them to your life in the supernatural. When our bodies fail to retain the right amount of water, dehydration sets in. Anybody ever been dehydrated other than me here? 
I've been dehydrated, elk hunting and dehydrating and exercise. A lot of times when I get through preaching, I get cramps all over the place because I get dehydrated. It is the water in our body, listen to this, it's the water in our body that determines the vitality, the strength, and energy associated with our daily living. Water is vital to your life. The human body, number two, is two-thirds water. I am two-thirds water standing up here. Number three, the body absorbs cold water faster than hot water. Number four, by the time you, who's 70 years old or above in here today, would you raise your hand 70 or above? God bless you. By the time you're 70 years old, you have required a million and a half gallons of water. Number five, studies show that increasing water consumption can decrease fat deposits. Water is a natural appetite suppressant. Number six, this is the most interesting to me. If you lose 2% of your body's water supply, your energy will decrease by 20%. A 10 decrease, a 10% decrease in water, and you will be unable to walk. A 20% decrease in water, and you're dead. Think about that now in your spiritual life. A 2%, a 10%, a 20%. Where are you at with that in tapping into the waters that God has for you? Are you spiritually energy decreased? Are you able to walk or are you sitting here dead? Number seven, a man saw a water fountain for the first time in his life, but he could not see how to make it work. He had no no, it had no tap or no button to press. He became very angry and frustrated. He was about to turn away when someone pointed out to him a little sign on the bottom of the fountain that simply said, stoop and drink. Well, when he stooped over, he discovered an electric eye, detected his presence, and the water automatically came out flowing. We know how typically how to hydrate our bodies physically. But how about spiritually? How do you hydrate spiritually? Physically, I know that I'm to drink it down. I'm to drink water. People tell me to drink coconut water. I buy coconut water, and it's stinking disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, put something in that, man. This is like faking me out. It's water, but it's disgusting. It, it, I know you're supposed to be health, healthy for me, right? Stuff is nasty, right? It's just nasty. The first time we drank it was in New Zealand, and we were so excited to try this stuff. And we sat in New Zealand and, you know, coconut water, I guess that sounds pretty good, you know. I, I might have been maybe thinking of like sweet coconut milk or something, you know, that you put on top of ice cream. I don't know. But we're eating and we start drinking coconut water. I'm like, I'd just rather have naked water. You know? I know some of you out there drink coconut water and you're like, oh, that's healthy, that's healthy. God bless you. Drink your coconut, hydrate with coconut water. 
I like milk, <laughs> smoothies, Jamba juices. And I got to be honest with you, my number one way to hydrate my physical body is coffee. I know they say it dehydrates you. Listen, listen. It's Dr. Michael, coconut water or coffee, man? Oh, okay. <laughs> we know how to hydrate physically, but how do you hydrate spiritually? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That thirst there means a painful, painful thirst. How do we hydrate? What touches the deep thirst inside of me and you? The deep thirst inside of my soul. What quenches the thirst that H2O or coconut water does not? I think it's the deep waters of worship. Just fill me today. Well, J.O., I just never have been quenched by worship. I just encourage you today that you go with us in this series, that you would push out, that you would dive in, that you would get past your ankles and your knees and your waist and see what God may want to do in your life in the area of worship. Jesus has a very unique conversation with a woman at a well. I love this story. I've used it millions of times and probably millions of times. I don't know. I've used it a lot. Listen, listen to this story. Jesus, John 4, uh, 12 through 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The discussion is very cool. They start talking. Give me a drink. Talks about well water, talks about living water, and then they break over and they begin dis to discuss worship. And I want to read a little bit about that. Verses 21 through 24, Jesus said to her, by the way, they also talked about her desperate kind of housewife situation condition. Verses 21 through 24, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what uh, we know what we worship for salvation is the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is, listen to this, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is, I love this, the Father is seeking. Do you know God the Father is seeking something from you, you and I? He's seeking, he's searching. God is searching. He's seeking something from you and I. What is it? For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. God, look at that. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John Piper, Pastor John Piper, he shared a little bit about this. I want to read it. He's an author, pastor, intelligent gentleman. And he's reading John 4, 14. It says this, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give will be, uh, give him, become in him a fountain of water springing up everlasting life. And John Piper, he cries out and he says, what do you mean? I am so thirsty. My church is so thirsty. Jesus, what do you mean? And Piper begins to meditate on this scripture and this is what comes to him. 
When you drink my water, your thirst is not destroyed forever. If it did that, you would feel any need of water afterwards. That is not my goal. I do not want self-sufficient saints. When you drink my water, it makes a spring in you. A spring satisfies thirst, not by removing the need you have for water, but by being there to give you water whenever you get thirsty again and again and again and again. I believe that worship for me and you is like this picture of well for a moment, and it's like the rope and the bucket that goes deep inside of our being, deep inside of our soul, that we can tap into what Jesus says will become in him a fountain of water. I believe the woman at the well, if you remember, how many times, how many of you remember how many times she had been married? Five times. And she was working on number six. I think this woman had been going to the wrong water hole in order to quench her thirst. I'm not slamming on her. I'm just saying that there's a thirst inside of each and every one of us, if you're very, very, very honest, that if you're not careful, you'll go to the wrong water hole. I think that she tried to fill the thirst inside of her through relationships. The thirst that's, in, that's inside of me and inside of you, listen, it's not of this world. The world is not what put the thirst in you. The thirst that is inside of you comes from one source, and his name is God. If you have a thirst for God, it's not because you are good or you're nice or you're kind or you're cute. It's because God Almighty put that thirst inside of you. The thirst that's inside of each and every one of us is not of this world, and the thirst will not be quenched by anything of this world. It, it won't, listen, if you try to quench your thirst with your spouse, you're looking in the wrong place. If you try to quench your, your thirst with a line or a joint or slamming dope or a new car or a new degree or the lottery, AJR, the lottery would do it. No, it won't. The lottery won't do it. Not even a new baby, not a new relationship, not moving to another city, or a new, not a new car, a new house. The only one that carries the living water is Jesus. When you tap into that well, it becomes a fountain inside of you. And I think there's a tie into it when, when it comes to this, this living water inside of you, me and you, is in the area of worship. If one is to worship the one true God, there must be two ingredients, two real ingredients that we have to have in true worship. One is to worship in spirit. Say that with me, in spirit. spirit. That word spirit is pneuma. It means a current of air, a breath, a breeze, a spirit. Our worship must be spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-inspired. I pray that our worship is like that at Heart of the City Church. Why? Because I am spirit, and if you're born again, you are spirit. 
We have a soul, yes. I'm inside of a tent, my body, but literally, I'm spirit and your spirit. If I'm going to hydrate my spirit, I've got to connect with God who is spirit. And as I connect, as my spirit connects with God who is spirit through worship, my spirit will be hydrated. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is this conclusion then? I will pray with, listen to this, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I do both of those things. I pray in the spirit and I pray in understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. I do both of those things. I sing in the spirit and I sing with understanding. We must a main ingredient of worship is worshiping in the spirit. But it's also worshiping truth. What does truth mean? Truth is what is true under any consideration. Let me tell you something. The world doesn't say that doesn't think there's truth. There's absolute truth. Let me tell you something that's absolutely truth. The word of God. So when your worship is based on the word of God, guess what? You're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Let me give you a, a beautiful example of exactly what worship. What is the heart of worship? The, the, the word worship in the Hebrew is proskinu, and it means this. Listen, it's beautiful, meaning to kiss. Like a dog licking his master's hand. To fawn, to crouch. I love my favorite one, I got to be honest with you. I love to kiss my wife. We do that frequently. <laughs> and when it comes to worship, I like the example of a dog licking its master's hand. I used to have a dog. We had a dog named Copper. We had him for 13 years. He was like a big brown lab, but he was 50% lab and 50% Chesapeake. And he pretty much listened to only one person, and that was me. My wife would try to speak into Copper's life or Jamie or Seth, and it didn't really work. I'd say, Copper, get in the back of the truck. He'd get in the back. I'd come home. All he wanted to do was be with me. Think about worship. Lick my hand. He would wag his tail so hard that it looked like he was going to just like fall down, just so hard. He just wanted to be around me or any, I mean, just anything to do with me. Not that I'm all that, because I'm not, but uh, someone had given me copper when I was in Idaho one time, and he rode with me from Idaho to Washington State in the car, just a little bitty guy. And for some reason, it's like I became his mama I became his daddy, I became his master, and man, he's my dog, right? And so picture that picture when it comes to our worship to God the Father. That's the real deal. You're tail wagging, just wanting to be in the presence of the Father, and just excited and jumping up and down, and, and just, come on, worship. True worship, worship in spirit and in truth. J-O, J-O, I've just been so dry. I've been so dry. And sometimes a sermon won't help you. Sometimes a podcast won't help you or a book won't help. You know what sometimes you need to do is worship. 
I'm going to tell you that right now. Worship, worship, worship. Look what wise men do. I can read this and it's not even Christmas. Matthew 2, 2 saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Wise men. For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. I think today, wise men and wise women, they still worship him. Why do you serve God? Why do you seek God? Is it self-seeking, self-serving, or is it to worship him? How many of you know that uh, we're created to worship? You really are. You're created to be in a relationship with God, and you're created for worship. You're worshiping right now. You're worshiping something. You're worshiping something or someone. And I hope that you're worshiping God. But we are worshipers, and you will worship. The devil wants your worship. Listen to what happened with Jesus in uh, 40 days of fasting and, and uh, uh, really before he stepped out into ministry. Matthew 4, 8 through 9. Again, the devil took him up, look at this, on an exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all, look what he showed him, all the king, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil said to him, look what he said, all these things I will give you if you what? Fall down and worship me. Worship me. I want to encourage you, church, don't settle for a substitute to worship. Don't settle for an idol to worship. Don't settle for a lie to worship because this is what exactly what Jesus he was absolutely going to be given the world and all the glory if he would just worship. Many times you might have opportunity to worship that of a substitute. Moses Moses is upon seeking God and in the presence of God. And guess what the people of uh, Israel are doing? They're, they've already, hey, they're, they're impatient. They asked Aaron to do what? Hey, make us a God. Guess what they made? A golden calf. Now, we would never worship a golden calf in America. That's too barbaric, right? But what do we worship? What did they make the gold calf out of? Will you say that with me, gold? Let me ask you this. Where had the Israelites spent 400 years at? Egypt. Where do you think they got the gold? Egypt. What do you think Egypt stands for? The world. There's going to be many substitutes, like King Nebuchadnezzar built a humongous idol. And I love Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach and Everyone else, when they heard the music, worshipped, but not Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Once again, we would never worship some big, huge idol in America. But what would we worship? Don't settle for some substitute, a lie from the enemy when it comes to worship. Tell the devil like Jesus did. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Church, during this series, I challenge you to go deeper, push out, push up, push in, to go deeper in worship. If this has been you in worship in the past, then maybe do this. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta do something. Do something to go deeper. If you gotta pull out your keys and rattle them in worship, then pull out your stinking keys and rattle them in worship. If you're like, uh, they, they kind of like do a little dancing. If you need to do the holy hip hop, do the holy hip hop. Let me encourage you. You, not because I'm saying it, but because you should want to go deeper in worship unto God because of who he is. And he, hey, don't, don't come in here more excited about the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks than you are Jesus. I'm just saying. What are you going to worship? I like the Steelers, but I ain't going to worship the Steelers. I'm going to worship the king of all kings. I'm going to choose to go down. I'm pushing out into deep waters. Deep waters. I'm tired of ankle deep or waist deep. Or, oh, J.L., we just never did that in the church that we came from. Well, just let me say something. The Bible says the traditions of man makes the word of God of no effect. Your worship should not be based on tradition. It should be based on heart and your love for God Almighty. Come on. I'm almost done. Go deeper. What does it mean to go deeper? I will push past my personal hindrances and distractions, maybe traditions, maybe my comfortableness, and wade into the deep waters of God's presence with praise, worship, and an open heart expectation. Somebody say push past. Push Someone say push out. push out. Luke 5, 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. They had catch, a catch, not cash, catch. They had fished all night long and caught nothing until they pushed out into the deep. When they pushed down into the deep, they threw their nets. The nets were so full that they began to break. So I'm going to tell your neighbor and I, tell your neighbor, push out. And then we have push into an encounter. Deep waters is where I have a spiritual encounter with God that transforms my life. Let me tell you, a, a, a spiritual encounter with God is way more than singing some songs. It's more than singing songs. It's worship. It's worship. Your heart's connected. My, my hands are connected. My head's connected. My heart's connected. My whole being's connected. And when I do that, I can expect an encounter. Number four, deep waters is where I worship God with heartfelt passion and thirst for more of God. I was in Kentucky with Topher and Seth. We had a wonderful time, and I'm sitting in a deer stand, and I'm sitting in front of two little, there's a drought going on, 27 fires in Kentucky, and this deer comes and begins to drink out of this water, just drinking and drinking, 
trying to take care of a thirst inside. There's a thirst in every one of us. Where are you drinking from? Listen to this scripture, Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As a deer longs for a stream of cool water, so I long for you. Oh God, I thirst for you. The living God, when can I go and worship in your presence? I want to close today with five going deeper worship experiences. Then we're done. Number one, Worship goes deeper when your soul is pursuing God. If you haven't been pursuing God, I encourage you to make a difference, make a change. How many know that change is hard? Oh, just be honest. Say, change is hard, right? But it's not impossible. What I'm asking you really to do is be committed to change. Committed to the change in the area of worship. Pursue God. Same scripture, different translation. As a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants, pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you? Pants in the Hebrew is a strong yearning, longing that does not allow you to stop short. I pant for you, O God. Spurgeon says, when a man pants after God, it is a secret life within which makes him do it. It proves a renewed nature that you long after God. It is a work of grace in your soul. God creates a desire, but we must cultivate it. God puts a pursuing desire in us. He draws us. The impulse to pursue God originates from God. The outworking is our following hard after you. A.W. Tozer says this. I think it's on the bulletin. Paul was a seeker and a finder and a seeker still. Some seek and find and seek no more. Be a seeker, a finder, and a seeker still. Number two, worship goes deeper when your soul is thirsty for God. Can somebody say thirsty today? thirst. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Number three, worship goes deeper when your soul loves God's house. I worship at home. I get on my Harley sometimes and worship a little bit on my Harley in my truck. But I'm going to let you know right now, there is no place like worshiping in the house of God. I can't get it by myself. When people, the body of Christ, comes together and worship, and oh, his glory fills the temple. Oh, my goodness. I can't do that alone. But as for me, I will come into the house in the multitude of your mercy and fear. I will worship you toward your holy temple. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of our Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Number four, worship goes deeper when you're so worship in a hard place. Anybody ever been in a hard place before? When you worship in a hard place, somebody's battling cancer, 
or you're going through some kind of final, or either you're going through something emotional, and it's in a hard place. I've been in a hard place before, and it's like, I don't really want to worship right now. I don't feel like worshiping God. God, I just, uh, if you can get that worship out. If you can get that, how many of you know that it's not about how you feel or what you feel? Not even your personality. Some of you may think, well, J.L.'s personality is an outgoing personality. You know, deep down inside of me, I just rather hang out by myself sometime. But you know what? I don't allow that to stop my worship. I cannot not worship him because of my personality or loud or quiet or whatever. I worship God because of who he is. And in a hard place, man, it will transform your life. When you say, no, he slayed me, I will praise him. Oh, it doesn't matter what I feel like, what I'm going through, God. I'm going to lift my hands and my heart and my head and my eyes, and I'm going to worship you because of who you are. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him for the help of my countenance. You know what cast down mean? Depressed, bowed over, reduced, weakened, heart sick, attitude of feeling or despair, low spirits, focus on lack of hope when focusing on a distressing situation. How many of you know Paul and Silas was in a hard place? Hard. They wasn't in jail. They were like underneath the jail. Got their clothes probably ripped off of them and beat. What did they do? They began to pray and sing hymns. And as they did that, the place that they were at began to shake. All the doors were open and everyone was loose. Let me tell you right now, listen, you may not believe this, but people are watching you. People watch you. What are you going to do? What source will you go to in a hard place? You're going to go to the mud hole and get an amoeba like I did? You're going to go back to that line, back to slamming dope, porn? In a hard place, where are you going to go? Come on. He wants you to go to the source. The living H2O, last one, worship goes deeper when your soul has a deep cry. Deep calls unto deep as the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Amen. Hydrate.